Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, everyone. I'm Anka Corbin, your host today on this Globig Podcast. Our hot international expansion topic is the Critical Global Expansion Checklist, Part 1, which is going to be corporate setup, governance, and taxes. Our guest today is Linda Lim, the Director of Client Services at Global Upside. She manages all aspects of international expansion and has over 20 years experience in international finance and operations, starting her career with KPMG Singapore, and then subsequently in senior finance management roles in China, Hong Kong, UK, and the US. Linda, welcome to the Globig Podcast. It's great to be here, and I'm really looking forward to speaking about this topic today. Fantastic. So, you know, we're going to talk about just those key elements to consider, which are on the critical expansion checklist. I know that this is a pretty broad topic, and what I want to make sure is is that we just are covering those kind of things that are often forgotten, but things that are just so important to prepare for and understand before you expand your business into a new country. Now, we've also split this podcast into two sessions because there's there are quite a few areas for us to discuss, and we want to make sure that these podcasts aren't just so long. Uh, we won't be able to cover everything, but you are going to be able to download the checklist in the resource section when we post this podcast. All right, so after a company has assessed the market to verify that their company and products would add significant value and they have something special to offer in that new market, there are really specific regulatory and logistical procedures to work through, and we're going to talk about those today. So let's start our conversation with exploring the concept of corporate setup and governance. And as I mentioned before, you can download the checklist for a broader list from the Globig blog on this podcast. So while each country is different and how they handle things, so what do you find are some important things to prepare for in advance? So for many countries, um, it sounds simple, but it's actually not that easy to set up a business entity. And there are times there are different um, unique requirements for various countries. Um, typically, when we you know go through with our clients, there are some checklist questions that we usually um, guide the clients through uh, relating to corporate setup and governance. So, for example, um, before anything starts, typically we'll ask the clients whether they have a business plan or strategy in place, uh, what is their business intention, uh, what is the business purpose, is it just a vehicle that they have created just to try out a new market, or was there a budget plan that they intend to develop this business, um, such that they have a huge recruitment plan uh, away ahead. So these are the types of questions, even before we start anything to lay out the roadmap, uh, we will usually ask our clients um, some of these questions. And um, for example, we will ask them if they will prefer a simple branch setup, which does not really have any tax um, implication, um, or it can be just a rep office, um, or it might be a full fresh entities that they would like to incorporate. So these are the things that a company typically have to think through before they make a decision what kind of setup they would like to, you know, branch out in outside United States or in certain countries that they wanted to enter. 
And for a subsidiary, um, you know, as compared to a branch or a representative office, typically it takes a longer time and it can, might not be as cost effective um, if the company does not plan to expand further or is just, you know, wanted to hire uh, one to two headcounts, then maybe a, a branch or representative office will be a better option. Um, there's also some of the corporate governance required in different jurisdictions in different countries. Um, there are countries that might need a local resident directors. There are some that do not need any local directors. So it varies on different countries depending on um, a specific um, local requirements that each country might have. Um, there's also some countries that have um, requirement for uh, shareholders meetings to be held you know, locally. There are some that can be conveyed digitally over the phone or internet. It depends on where it has been set up or where it has been structured. Um, and all this um, I have to be thinking through even before each company actually plans to set up in the structure that they want. Um, there's also an important factor whenever that uh, uh, once the entity is open, they need to make sure that there's a high chance that they can get a bank account open because a lot of times payroll needs to be paid out of a local bank and it is something that is actually not easy to be set up, um, especially of the entire money boundary requirements, compliance, um, actually more in recent years, especially more in Europe and Asia, that there is specific requirements, um, due diligence that they need to go through in order to even have an open bank account set up. Um, and I would say for, you know, set up usually for branch or representative um, office, typically on average, it takes about, it can be as fast as within a week, or it could be as long as um, four weeks, depending on um, the time the documents are being submitted, whether there is any holiday conflicts that, you know, the local office government agencies are not open for operations. So all these are factors that will actually uh, limit the timeline of completion. Um, for a full-fledged um, entity setup, it's definitely much longer time frame. Um, but some countries can be as fast as for Canada, it just takes one working day. But there is also for China that it could take as long as um, six months to a year, depending on which industry um, for each client that actually enter into the market. Absolutely. You know, we've even seen companies, especially forgetting that they don't really have credit and that they don't have accounts and that that's even taken up to a year in certain markets because they don't have kind of all the background checks that they can do and that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden they can't pay payroll and things that actually have to, you know, go through a local account. So there's all sorts of things that companies just need to really do in sync and do them in the right order and make sure that they prepare for right? Yes. And it is actually very common because many of our clients actually would not, it's actually their first time going into a market that they have no knowledge of how this market works or how the business model runs in that specific country. Um, and that's why sometimes after an entity is being set up, they actually have more challenges than they expected because um, it was not brought to their attention or it was something that was surfaced out after the company has been set up. And it could be due to some compliance issue or it could be due to 
the directors not being able to be physically there to sign some documents to open a bank account. So these are the you know realistic challenges that actually some of our clients has encountered, and Global Apps actually helped them to you know overcome all these obstacles in order for their business operations to start working. Yeah. You know, when a company is thinking about expanding abroad, they they don't always realize that they may not even be able to. They might be in a, a technology or an industry that they're, you know, it's not that simple and they need to kind of jump through some unusual hoops or do things that are uh, outside of what they would expect, you know, for them to expand into a foreign country. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. What do companies have to prepare for just to even know whether they can even take their technology or services into a foreign country? Sure. Um, so companies work before they even would like to branch out their market into a new one, especially they need to check if they have appropriate business license to actually run their businesses, whether they have appropriate export import licenses for their products and technology. So for example, um, I have a client who actually is in the property market and they only do it online on the website. So basically their core product line um, is all done through you know, the virtual online basis and there's nothing, no physical office that actually have dealing with the client's front. And they wanted to venture into China and China is one of the you know, largest economy in the world. And of course the country is actually welcoming foreign companies to invest but proud to be even able to enter into that market because of the nature of business. Um, in fact, this client who is in the technology business will have to apply what we call an internet content provider license, which we call in short ICP. And this is a specialized license that they will need to um, obtain or apply from the Chinese Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, which actually allows you to um, run your business on China-based website. And basically, it is a very specialized license that require, um, that only permits you to actually run this business in China. Um, and without that, basically, they are not allowed to actually run an e-commerce website. And the intention is actually they, they are trying to restrict what kind of content um, their residents are able to access through the website. And that's why their restrictions is um, very tight and they actually do all the diligence before they approve a license for it. So, and the whole process could still take time and it could take from at least three months to a year, depending on how fast the authorities approve it and how fast they provide the information. And all this actually will add up, you know, to the time that, um, versus the actual time that the, the clients might have planned for their business to start. And typically, it could actually, um, a, a, many times it will actually limit the, the business plan that they have already in place. Mm -hmm. I also have another client that in, in, is in the pharmaceutical industry. And um, again, because it is a specialized industry for pharmacy because um, it affects you know, someone's life, um, they actually have more stringent compliance restrictions uh, for you to run a product or sell a product um, that's in the pharmaceuticals industry, that it will actually require 
um, the medical industry's compliance um, before they actually allow you to actually run a business there. So these are the things um, that a company needs to actually take note before they even go into a new market, uh, whether they need uh, import customs, uh, license, import export customs required, uh, whether there's any regulatory um, issues once they enter into the market. Um, so these are the questions that I would encourage, you know, all companies to actually think through before they actually um, invest um, into a market that can be quite high cost, even right from the start. Yeah. yeah, so while they may be able to expand rather quickly, they might be better off in doing some of this homework really maybe even up to a couple of years in advance. And, and I know in our next podcast, we'll talk about IP and um, trademarking and, and all of those take quite a bit of time. So on top of that, with this regulatory preparation, if you will, you know, going fast is probably not the right move, but preparing well in advance it makes a lot more sense. You know, one area that companies often neglect, and then I think it, they feel the pain and that they need to button up and prepare for are how, you know, how this will impact their current business in the area of taxes and, you know, how do taxes work in different countries and different entities. And then, you know, of course, that really important one is with their current business, it potentially could really impact them as well. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about this really often neglected area that becomes really, really significant when they look back once their business is moving fast internationally. Yes, I totally agree. So Texas definitely is an important element that com companies need to everything through uh, because once you done wrongly or have not even done it, um, it can actually lead to pretty heavy penalty costs, um, you know, even for not being able to enter that country um, on a permanent basis. So there's, um, we have clients that the you know, different taxes rules that increase all these include like value added taxes, they include income taxes, they include payroll taxes. So all these have to be taken into consideration. It's not just limited to corporate taxes. Um, all these tax rules varies for different countries. Each country has their own rules. And I would say tax rules change constantly. Um, there are rules that change updated every year. The tax rate can vary. Um, the tax deductions can vary. The criteria um, varies from different countries as well. So for example, um, I have a client that's in, uh, who entered into Netherlands and they just set up a full fresh entity. And they didn't know that, you know, they need to register for value added tax, which we call VAT. Um, so they started off asking us to help them to set up an entity without having a VAT registration because they do not think that there's a need to, um, as they do not foresee them generating revenue in the first initial years. Um, the good news is they do generate um, the revenue, but unfortunately, because they did not set up the VAT structure much earlier at the beginning, um, the way that they have to, you know, even stop um, sending invoices until the VAT is set up and that actually takes time. And in the longer run, it's actually affecting their business because they kind of have to put their revenue or their clients will stop until the VAT structure is set up. So this is one of the examples. We also have clients who have 
not done the tax returns properly. For example, Brazil is one of our countries that are very strict on the compliance. Um, they already have uh, in place uh, it's mandatory for all companies to keep their local books in their local system, which all the transaction in and outgoing um, are monitored by the local authorities. So there's no way um, you know, they can get away with it without having to go through the local authorities. And with that, they actually monitor every single transaction. So if you file your returns, not on a timely basis or inaccurate data has been submitted, they actually penalize for every single month that you miss or for every uh, returns that has been um, delayed in filing. So all this uh, actually affects the, the way that the business has been run. And well, we have also heard cases whereby um, the returns are being managed wrongly because of the wrong entity setup. Um, there are very different implications for tax for different kind of you know, entity setup form. For branch of our office, basically is a direct extension of the parent company. So typically the parent company will, will take out the um, tax liabilities based on their home country. And technically for that, because of that reason, um, there is no tax, in, tax implication for the new country that they actually roll out to because all tax um, and liabilities are being um, taken up by the parent company in the home country. But for a subsidiary, which is, you know, they are shareholding and basically they have their own sets of liabilities held locally. Um, there's a huge um, responsibility for the entities to file their tax returns properly and on a timely basis, uh, even though it's, if it's a foreign subsidiary being set up in a foreign country. And sometimes it really depends on um, the various reasons why um, the business is structured in certain ways. When a company wants to decide the kind of corporate setup, whether it is a branch or a subsidiary, really very much depends on the business purpose of that new entity. Is it long-term, is it short-term? How much the company is going to grow? What is their recruitment plan? If I would say if it's the plan is just to hire one to two um, headcount in that country with limited business scope um, in terms of expansion, then I would say a branch or red office will be ideal um, because first of all, it's faster to actually set it up and it's also more cost effective uh, for a parent company. However, if the company decides to hire more than five employees down the road and they will expect this market to actually grow substantially over the years, then it makes sense for them to have a full fresh um, subsidiary being set up and with a full set of accounts being accounted for locally and on a consolidated basis, then it makes sense for them to actually set up the subsidiary. Yeah, um, of course, all this, move, yeah. right? It's not that simple to jump from one to the other. So as much information as you have from the very beginning, that's pretty critical to consider. Yeah, and one of the key things I also would like to highlight is transfer pricing. Mm. Um, many times, um, non-financial um, executives have not taken that into their consideration because it's kind of a very technical topic to discuss. It is more um, tax and accounting experts that actually discuss more on this topic because basically 
Um, it takes care of a lot of the intercompany transactions. And many times transfer pricing is either neglected or even forgotten um, to even be one of the factors to consider. But I would say transfer pricing is very important to even, even start an entity because it actually decide, you know, some of the tax implication, how much to mark up in that country, how much profits are being sent back to the parent company. These are the considerations that must be consistent with the company policy across the board and not just something that they customize for that country because it actually will run into the risk of being audited uh, for non-compliance reasons. So um, because of that, I highly encourage clients to actually think through that before they even decide to start a business um, in a foreign country. Um, VAT or GST or what we call the sales value added tax. Um, these are also things that they need to think through when they actually enter into a new market, whether how big the revenue size is will determine what kind of um, VAT or GST um, that they need to fall into um, the bucket. Um, there might not be a need for registration if the revenue size is below certain threshold. Um, so it really depends on the business plan on how much they actually budgeted for these entities to grow in terms of the revenue size in order to determine uh, whether they need to register for the GSD or the VAT. Yeah, and even the um, ongoing also, management is hard of that, right? Having, I know VAT management is, it just takes a lot of work. So they need to prepare for what does that look like for ongoing reporting because it isn't just a one time it isn't just an end of the year it's really complicated to manage all the different countries and all the different percentages and all the different requirements yeah that's true and then many clients actually will you know consult with their tax advisor to also think through the whole group um tax structure uh why is the best structure they should have in order to optimize their tax position as a group basis rather than um, individually for each country. Um, so for example, like for China, many countries were set up in Hong Kong first before they even enter into China because um, it's probably easier for them to manage talents um, in Hong Kong, whereby they do other recruiting to actually work in China, or there's also tax incentive uh, for different kind of industries in Hong Kong uh, versus that from China. So these are the things that typically most companies will actually discuss uh, with their tax advisor before they even put in place uh, or go decide which kind of uh, setup they will actually enter into a certain um, business market they would like to. Yeah, there's a lot to consider. So. Is there anything, I know that this is a, such a broad topic, but is there anything else that you think our listeners should know kind of on governance and regulatory and taxes? Um, but, you know, again, we're going to have a second part to this podcast with uh, other things such as IP and trademarking and, um, you know, thinking about data privacy and other things along those lines. Um, I think we have a good uh, comprehensive discussion today about that, and I certainly um, will be open to you know discuss further if anyone has any questions that we have discussed today. Fantastic. So, Linda, thank you so much for joining us for part one of this podcast series. It was a pleasure to have you as our guest.
Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. And if anyone has any question about what we discussed today, feel free to reach out to me at my email, lender.lim at globaloutside.com. Fantastic. For our listeners, don't forget to join in for part two of this global expansion checklist. And make sure then to join the free resource hub on globig.co if you're serious about doing business internationally. The Globig International Business, HR, and Data Privacy Platform connects you to great expansion services such as Global Upside and makes your day-to-day much, much more productive. So you can also subscribe to this podcast channel for more fantastic international expansion podcasts.